Welcome back to another Share Your Light episode. I love doing these because I think all of us in our own right are trying to find a way to make a difference, to raise the vibration, to follow our hearts, to step into our power, purpose, our light. And we've had these two people on before, but they have new adventures coming up. And I just thought it would be so wonderful to bring them back into your world again. Today, we're welcoming the sisters Jennifer James and Jill Stanley, who come from a long line of women with mystical abilities. Jennifer is an intuitive and tarot reader. Jill works as a psychic medium and energy reader. They are the creators, producers, and co-hosts of the Common Mystics podcast and the co-authors of the new book, Common Mystics Presents Ghosts on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths, which will be available for pre-sale on Amazon on June 1st, 2023. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you so much for having us back. Thank you so much, Denise. Oh, it is so fun because I love your podcast. I love the stories. And for anyone who isn't familiar with that, could you fill them in on how that got started and what that looks like for you? What, how, how, why are we even here having this conversation? Jen, you take it. Well, (laughs) I'll start with our upbringing because we grew up Our mother was a single mom and she raised her four girls as best she could. But what that meant was she leaned a lot on her family. And so we had a lot of interaction and support from our grandmother and our aunt. And our grandmother in particular was very, very Catholic, uh, but was also a psychic medium. And she also did folk magic. And so we grew up in this environment where grandma would go to church every day, pray the rosary twice a day, and then do a spell and then get up from the kitchen table to go talk to a spirit who had come into her home who had asked her for help. So it was this very rich spiritual environment. Also, our mother was an astrologer. Back in the days before you could plug in someone's birthday and the location of their birth and a program would spit out an astrological chart. Our mother would sit on our living room floor with maps and charts in front of her and by hand do an astrological chart using her intuition and her abilities. So we saw that. We also uh, spent time around a lot of different types of psychics and spiritual healers. Mom took us to a shaman who would do... uh, shaman type healing with the feathers and the bowls of water. We went to coffee ground readers. We always had psychic mediums come to the house. They raised us. And I say they, because really we are a product of our, of our grandmother, our aunts and our mother, but they raised us not only in this rich environment that fostered creativity and spirituality, but also with the Catholicism, the basis that really seems to anchor us but Mm -hmm. also gave us enough sense to kind of keep it on the DL. Like we were not going to school talking about these things. They were like, no one's going to believe you. It's just something that we live with, what we do, and we keep it in the house and we explore the ways to um, develop it and play with it really over the years. So in reality, you were both really groomed for this. I mean, you had (laughs) all of the advantages that a lot of people don't have. And I've shared this before is that I grew up with that being normal at home, but again, brought up Catholic and it was normal in the house. But then when you stepped out of the house, you had to pretend it didn't even exist. And to have that duality in your life, it is very enriching and it does give you a lot to work with, but it also, it messes with you a little bit because you, you have to find that fine line of who can I share this with? Who can I not? I I love that though. And I love the fact that it was so, and this is a weird word to use, but it was so normalized. It wasn't anything that was scary woo-woo or, oh, you can't do that, or you're going to hell. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful gift. And I think that when you talk about your podcast, well, you're, you're both, your chemistry together is fabulous. But no, Thank you. Um, you. One of the things that you had shared is that you have gone to unfamiliar places to feel the energy and use each other to validate date the impressions that you're getting as individuals, but also as a team. So how did that come to be? Well, for fun, 
throughout our lives for fun, what we would do as a family, like mom, Jennifer and I would get in the car and drive around the Chicagoland area to different cemeteries, to different um, charged locations. And we would just walk around and spend time together really is what we were doing. And, um, you know, the, the joke was if my mom was depressed about something or overworked, I'd be like, do you want to go to a cemetery? Because it would just boost her mood. After our mother died, Jen and I continued that tradition and would just get in the car with no destination and just use our, what we call our spidey senses to find a location where we could use our intuition and our mediumship to get a story from the energy that was imprinted there. And it was very much a bonding experience. And for me, a practice experience, because how else do you practice this stuff? You know, you it's hard to do it by yourself. So if you have someone like a sister or a buddy who's, who's into also practicing their intuition, their spiritual abilities, doing something like this, going to, uh, first of all, finding a, a charge location just by sense and then going there. And then Jill and I separate and I feel my feels, she feels her feels. And then we come back together. And that part of talking through what we're feeling is validation. And it's also practice. But then in 2019, it occurred to us that we could also do the historical research of the places. And that brought us to a whole new level of of work surrounding this because then it wasn't just about Jill and I and what we were feeling but then it was tapping into historical people who had lived a long time ago and, and their stories and they were reaching out to us to tell those stories and it to me that was the most fascinating part is that there are stories left to be told even stories that we think we know right so you you just used an interesting term. You said charged locations. So a lot of people that listen to both of our podcasts are very sensitive to the energy of spaces, of places, of rooms, of vortexes. What would be something that you would know you're going into a charged location? Because I like that that term. That's really cool. So for me, the way I describe energy and the tone of a place is similar to the way I experience music, Right. When something has the energy that's emanating through it, you're experiencing what the intention behind the music. So if you listen to like an Indigo Girl song, it's very clear what they're trying to convey, even with the chords before the, the lyrics start. If you listen to Mozart, if you listen to Phantom of the Opera, you're just drenched in what the energy is coming at you. So that's a really good analogy for people who might be wondering are they experiencing something intuitively? You are. You're experiencing it through music. Patsy Cline, I feel like, was a conduit for that heartbreak that you would just send out to the world that people were receiving with love. And I think that that's a really good analogy. And we feel that from an old building. We get those those kinds of impressions from a cemetery, from a sh- you know even as simple as clothing. If you're in a thrift store and you pick up a shirt, you may feel a certain way about what energy was left on it. That's a really, really good point because every place we've ever lived, every place we've ever been holds some residue of our energy. But I used to love going in thrift stores and junk stores and all that stuff. And now I have to be more selective because the energy is stronger or I've become more sensitive. I don't know which one, but I think if it doesn't feel right and you might love something, oh my God, this is beautiful. I want to bring this home. It's going to look perfect. And then you touch it or you get a funny feeling inside. You have to honor that. Mm-hmm. Really do. Absolutely. So in our case, you know, everything Jill said, I agree with 100%. But what I want to clarify is when we do this for the podcast, right, we are very intentional. We get into the car and we ask the spirits to guide us. So it used to be that we would just get in and just start driving, you know, just to amuse ourselves. But when we decided to do a podcast about it, then it became much more intentional. And we asked the spirits to lead us to a verifiable story previously unknown to us. And that was how it started. And so we got into the car and we asked the spirits to guide us. And then we would just feel, feel right or left feel expressway or or side roads. And then along the way, we, we get breadcrumbs. And the breadcrumbs are psychic hits. And I'm doing this little bunny ears with my fingers. Psychic information that comes through 
that is an indicator that we are on the right path, that we are on the right road. So we have a lot of examples of this and and we share this in our podcast. And I actually think that this is one of the things that makes our podcast a little more layered because yes, it's about the stories of the history of the people who come through, but it's also about our process. So if you're a person who's looking to learn a little bit more about your process, you might learn something from listening to how we experience that pro- that process. And so for me, one of one of my favorite examples is in my head, I was hearing purple petunias, purple petunias, purple petunias. And Jill and I are driving. We don't know where we're going. We never know where we're going. We're feeling right or left or, you know, this street or that street. We turn the corner. We look at a park. The park is full of these hanging baskets of purple petunias. So we knew we had to, we knew we had to stop. Like that was a breadcrumb. We are in the right place. Pull over. We need to explore this park. And, and we did. And our story was there. But Jill, we have so many examples of, of our breadcrumbs and how, how we get them and how we use them. Do you want to give another? When I think about how we are being led by our breadcrumbs, the Ash Tabula episode really comes to mind because here Jen and I are setting our intention and then we're making decisions based on the hits we're getting psychically. And in this particular episode, we are like, I am not driving so far east. We need to get back home. And spirit, spirit led us to a place that metaphorically led us to another. So even that decision we made, like we're not traveling like 500 miles today, led us to an opportunity to identify a story seamlessly that was at least 200 miles to the east of us. And so it made me feel like we're really not in control of this. It's very cute the way we think we're like, oh, make a right, make a left. And But absolutely not. Spirit will take us where we need to be to tell the story of the soul that's coming through to us. And when we started, we weren't looking to give voice to the voiceless. But our very first episode, we were in Michigan and we uncovered a story about a young girl, Gertrude Bay. We like to call her Gertie affectionately, but Gertrude was 16 years old and she died under mysterious circumstances in the early 1900s. And we were so honored to be able to give her soul a voice. She became kind of the patron spirit for the rest of our episodes. And from then on, we asked the spirit specifically to allow us to give voice to the voiceless. And so again, another example of how it wasn't our idea. It just kind of, we were open and it came to us and that's when it, that's when it became what it is. I love, love, love that give voice to the voiceless because as a medium and both of you have that, that connection with spirit as well, that messages will come through or feelings will come through or things will come through that people want, they want their story told or they want that closure or they want, or the people here need to know what happened. And I think you're working as a beautiful bridge and liaison between the two. So how has this led to your book? Because that's very exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. So You know, what's really funny about this book situation is that first you told us years ago that we were going to write a book. Okay. I don't remember Individually, (laughs) independent of each other, separately, you told Jennifer and I that that, that's what you felt for us. And now we both kind of laughed. We're like, oh, there's no way. (laughs) She's so cute. No, there's no way we could take on another project, but go ahead, Jill. So, um, Jen and I, as we do, we're sipping wine one night, just hanging out with each other. And we wanted a lot of times just as sisters, we say like what we want for ourselves and each other, like this would be nice. This would be nice. So we were sipping on wine on my couch and Jen and I were like, yeah, a book would be fun. I wish we can do a book. What would that look like? And then Jennifer's best friend, who is an amazing individual, wants to kind of transition her career into editing a book. So we're like, so if we get an opportunity to have a book, Jenny, Jenny Baker is going to be our editor and la, 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 la. And we're just sipping on wine, thinking how wonderful. And then a woman. Well, hold on. There was more though, because we were also very specific that it couldn't be something new. We couldn't take on something else. It would have to be based on some content that we already had. 
right? It couldn't That's be like a, a memoir of our lives because we don't, we haven't been working on memoirs, right? It would have to be something already in existence. And it would have to be, somebody would have to reach out with uh, to us who had the means and the connections to make it happen. Someone who really believed in us and was willing to invest in us because they believed in what we do. So ahead, sipping Jill. on wine, saying goodnight to each other, couple, maybe, maybe even like three months later, out of nowhere, we get an email from a woman who owns a publishing company with her sister and is inspired by just one of our episodes, just one. She just listens to one and said, I, I think that this is a book. And so Jen and I are reading this and we're like, oh, she's so, so sweet, but there is absolutely no way that we could tackle a book right now. We started after the last time we were on the show, we were doing seasonally our episodes. Now we're doing year round. And this is after COVID. Jennifer's back at her full-time job. And it was like, we can't take this on. Instead of us saying, we can't do this, we're like, well, what are you thinking? And Jennifer, what did she say? She wanted to make a book based on the stories in our podcast. Which of course we've already done that content. We have that content. So we we said, well, that might be doable, but what about editing? And she said, Well, I work with editors, but if you know someone who'd like to edit your book, someone who knows you, and of course we did, and it just seemed like we had accidentally manifested <laughs> the situation over wine one night, and and that's how it came to to be. See, that is so beautifully, beautifully orchestrated. That is that is a 100% in the category of you cannot make this shit up. <laughs> because it just all was so divinely step here, step here, which I, I always take that as a sign of get the hell out of the way and let this come to fruition. It makes me feel vulnerable because I'm really clumsy and I am not th thoughtful for my, with my words. So I don't know what my clumsy ass is going to be manifesting <laughs> that. So it makes me stop and think like, what am I actually saying? Like what, like I have to really be clear about what I want. Right. It, it also, it also makes me think if we can accidentally manifest good things, then we're probably also accidentally manifesting blockages to our mm -hmm. own success. And how many times are we doing that? So it, it makes you really stop and think about your own thoughts that you tell yourself, you know, anyway. I just it, it, No, it really does. And that's a, an incredibly important point, Jennifer, because I think people get so caught up in uh, you know, oh, if I just put a, a picture of a check on the refrigerator, then magically I'm not going to have any financial worries where there's has to be work to build up to that. There has to be, and there is that there's pros and cons to everything. There's duality. You can't deny the fact how beautifully <laughs> this was put in front of you like a silver platter and saying, okay, how about this? We'll bring you an editor. We'll bring you a publisher. I talk to a lot of people that want to get published and to have someone kind of knock on the door and say, oh, by the way, we'd love to publish a book that you haven't even thought about writing yet. That's incredible. And we were afraid it, for her to listen to more episodes because she only <laughs> listened to the one. We're like, okay, stop what you're doing. Stop, just in case. <laughs> Let's sign that contract. <laughs> so how did you pick which stories, which episodes to put in? Melissa Newman of Martin Sisters Publishing had um, came to us. She wanted a series. She didn't want just one book. So the first in the series, Jen and I were going through our library of work, and it seemed obvious murders and mysterious deaths were really what we were tapping into quite a lot. And we had the enough content in that category to make 10 stories into a book, 10 chapters. Wow. So it's it's not just the transcripts of our pod though. We we yeah. we didn't we wanted the book to stand on its on its own. And we knew that just the the raw transcripts, you know how a conversation goes. It it goes off track sometimes. There are inside jokes, there are tangents. And so we we started with with uh, the transcripts, but then we really tightened it up to make it a nice clean telling of the story. It remains a layered story. We tell about how we came upon the story based on our psychic information. We tell the story of the voice that's coming through. And then we end 
by adding extras. We did some reflecting on what each story taught us along the way and what lessons we learned. And so that's included as well as what to know if you go. So if other people go to some of these places, such as Utah, Arkansas, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, because we're all over the continental United States in the book, but they can they can stop at some of the places where we stopped or do some of the things that we would have liked to do had we you know stayed longer. So, so that's what it is. This is a weird question, but do you ever have to, or do you ever consider checking with descendants of the person that you're writing about? That's a really great question. We just experienced an episode where the descendants of a spirit coming through was really relevant to the story. And it seemed like an ancestor who had passed was coming through with certain feelings of a lifetime of a person's behavior in their lifetime. I feel like we can just be true to the, the, the spirit coming through and really we're signing a contract with, well, I feel like it's a contract with spirit. You bring us the information, how we feel about it is not the point. We are going to tell these stories the way spirit presents it to us. So we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. We're just relaying messages and doing the research. And it's all public information. So it's not that you're throwing anybody under the bus. I love that you said that because that's my, my premise as well is that working for spirit, being a conduit for spirit. Yes, I want to bring through comfort and solace for the people that I'm working with, but I also want to respect spirit and bring their their message through. Because I'm sure some of these places are fairly established towns or areas, but you must end up in Podunk sometimes, like out in the middle of nowhere. Is it harder to access the history or the records or the the stories that go with them, depending on the location of where you've ended up? Usually I do the research. Depending on the story, there could be a lot of information. Even that in itself can be problematic because there's a whole narrative that may not reflect what spirit has communicated with us. So we have to get past that. There's different obstacles to history, but usually in the small hodunk towns, historians, librarians, they're so excited to talk about their expertise and their experience and the history of the place that we don't have issues there. Where I find our story, Hillsdale, Michigan, was just the opposite. It's a well-established town that has a very affluent um, history that they're really proud of. So they are really keeping the things that we were looking at to themselves to the point that it became like, ridiculous. Like we're talking about something that happened like 200 years ago. Can we just have an honest conversation? They didn't want to look at something that was not favorable, but Jen and I are very clear. Like we come from an imperfect family. We're very honest. Like we're not throwing shade at people or generations. We're just saying, this is our experience. And we too have things in our family that we would be embarrassed of, but we share that completely unapologetically. So it's not like we're just throwing shade. We're being vulnerable to <laughs> No, neither one of you are, are shade throwers <laughs> they, or flamethrowers. You're not. You're just not. But it could also, that story, because in doing this work, you find that there are similarities across the board. Like I may be speaking with both of you and where you're located in the world, and then I'm talking to someone else, and the stories almost match or there's so many synchronicities or or similarities that maybe something you're bringing through in a story could help solve something or bring through some some healing and peace somewhere else totally unrelated. Jen, talk about how sometimes when we're on the road it's like a a voice will piggyback on Another on a story. Voice. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very yeah, interesting. We, we do experience exactly what you were talking about, where we might be tapping into on the road, say, um, an explorer type of uh, archetype, right? So uh, a male explorer who is very egotistical and strong-willed and and proud and accomplished. And then um, we'll we'll pick up on, on one voice and then another similar voice will come through and then another similar voice will come through. It's like, oh, they're talking about this. Me too. Me too. And so sometimes, a lot of time actually, the, the work isn't just on the road. The work is then doing the research because the research is just as intuitive because that spirit stays with you until you get it right. 
Wow, so it, it might be months later and we're sitting in front of our computer and we're asking, is this it? Yes, no. Is this it? Yes, no. And sometimes you have to choose amongst different voices that are coming through. Yeah. To, to tell the story, but we do experience that phenomenon. Well, I love that the book is on mysterious deaths because I think that that's something when there is missing information about how someone passed, or sometimes I'll have people come through that, you know, the families or the loved ones may be convinced that they chose to leave and it was an accident. And and if someone in spirit can bring that through and it can be validated, the fact that you're starting out with those stories of mysterious deaths is a a beautiful, beautiful stepping stone for the series to build on. Yeah, that's incredible. And also I wanted to, to explain that a little bit more because it's, it's not one note. And of course we don't, control who comes through to us. But sometimes the voiceless is that of someone who was downtrodden in life, right? Like Margaret Garner came through to us in Kentucky and she was a woman who was enslaved in the 1800s. And she's also famous for the inspiration of Toni Morrison's novel, Beloved. So the downtrodden come through to us, but also the unsung heroes of history come through as well. Like a man named Print Matthews who died in Hazelhurst, Mississippi in 1883 for casting his ballad. He died while casting his ballad for a vote in post-reconstruction of the South. And then you have people who come through who we don't like. Yeah, we, that's the hard ones. But we don't like them. <laughs> right. That we don't think are good people. We don't think they're moral. We don't agree with what they're doing, but they come through because they feel misunderstood because history got them wrong. They're not saying they're all good, but history got it wrong. Like Samuel Wolfman Mason. Right That's around an interesting one because he had he was coming through in spirit with a real strong narrative that he wanted us to tell about him. And so we Jennifer and I really tiptoed and really looked at the story and say, what can we bring new without glorifying this man who was hideous? He's a hideous person. Well, he was the leader of a crime ring right around 1800. And anyway, he feels he was misunderstood. Well, we told a story. We, we don't like him, but he taught us something. <laughs> He taught us something through the telling of his story. And then sometimes a voice comes through to set the legend straight. Some stories are well known in certain parts of the world, like the Bender family. They're known as, quote unquote, one of the first serial killer families in the history of the United States. Well, that's debatable. But what we do know is that they did they did kill a a, a series of people on the um on Osage. one of the great trails on the Osage, Osage Trail, Trail. In, the eight, in the 1870s. But what we uncovered about this family was very, very different from what the legend says happened. So it, so the voiceless come through, but it, it, they come through in different ways and with different purposes. That's a really, really good point that we don't get to judge. It's subjective. What you may find offensive, I may not, and, and vice versa. But spirit doesn't care. If they know that you're listening, they're going to show up. The important thing is that you you can validate some of this stuff. You can find facts. And I think for a lot of people that are into woo-woo and, and metaphysical and you know connecting with spirit, they want something tangible to hold on to. What's really fascinating is different time periods if someone really loves the late 1800s, you, there's a story in your book that is going to go to that time frame and someone could do a deep dive into what it was like living in that time frame or, or that time period. Uh, do you find that there's a fluctuation between like 1800s, 1900? Is there variance with who comes through depending? I know that's kind of a weird question. I know exactly what you're saying. And Thank in you. the beginning, <laughs> I know exactly what I you're saying. <laughs> in the beginning of our podcast, what Gertie really did for Jennifer and I is put our egos aside because it became not about what we were picking up on psychically, but giving the voice to the voiceless. So a lot of times when we're in the field, I may be picking up something that's predating what Jennifer's picking up because th- it's it's layered like the way a tree is layered in its when you cut it and you see those rings in it. 
every ring is a different story of a different time of a different person. And that's what we're picking up on. But when we have the conversation of what's our story, it's always who's our voiceless. So there are things that we need to go through, kind of sort out the information that we're getting. And then when we get clear on, okay, this is the person we're focusing on, then we research our hits and see how that is in sync with that person's story. Oh, that's incredible because that is, it's a collaborative effort, but then you have a spokesperson. Yes. Okay. And each of you are bringing in possibly conflicting or possibly supportive validation for this. So it all has to be sifted out and then put into a narrative. If you think of, um, I love the Indigo Girls just in general, but as a rock duo, they bring different energies. They bring different perspectives to a song even. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's what Jen and I do in in being collaborative together is that I am very, um, as you can tell, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm just a bubble of picking up things. And Jennifer is my, almost like my filter, literally can filter through so much of the stuff and has more a direction where I'm just picking up everything all the time, whether it be if I'm in a 7-Eleven, I know the cashier and the kind of day that they're having if I choose to pay attention to it, where Jen is very strategic in what she's allowing into her space and what she's absorbing. That's a perfect match, though. It really is for what you're bringing. But even your personalities, you can tell that there's a lot of love and respect in your sisters, but you're very different. You're very Mm -hmm. individual people. So that's again, divinely orchestrated. It's it's incredible. You've written the book, you have the podcast, which is just fun as hell to listen to. What do you feel is your, I mean, why? I know it's fun as hell. You drive around, you get to go to these places, you're giving voice to the voiceless. What would your mission be with this? What do you really, this does feel like service work. It doesn't feel like ego. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're going to monetize this and go buy, you know, a, a, an extra home in Cabo. So, I mean, it it doesn't feel like that. Uh, Well, that that might be nice, but we do have a direction of how it's changing. But I was just thinking this this morning and I hadn't shared this with Jennifer yet. So um, it should be interesting. When our mother died, (laughs) when our mother died, Jen and I knew the type our mother's love language is being of service. That was her whole deal. So if if someone needed something on the block that she lived on, I was going to the store for it. I was changing all the senior citizens light bulbs in their house on the South side of Chicago. Cause I was the tallest one in the neighborhood. And when mom died, it was, we wanted so badly to be of service. So we did research at, in each of our locations and tried to fit into a service program. So I wanted to help elderly people with disabilities. I uh, worked with animals but it it always seemed to fizz out for some reason, like it was never consistent work. And it just occurred to me that this is the service work that we were supposed to be doing. This is the opportunity not only to honor our mother, but to honor our mother and her life of service. And it just occurred to me like this morning. Oh, that's beautiful. And and I, I have no doubt she's in the back seat with you on all these trips. No, she absolutely <laughs> is. She absolutely is. But if we have a larger mission, it really is to inspire those people out there to believe, just believe it, believe that spirit is real, believe that spirit is communicating with you, believe that you have a army of people on the other side who are actively engaged and helping you on your life's journey. You are not alone. Believe it. And once you start believing that, you will start seeing more of the signs and get more validation and it feeds itself. We really want to normalize this. Take it from that woo-woo, they're crazy to, oh my gosh, in my everyday life, I am using this ability to read the person who's sitting across my desk from me at work, to read a a, a room of people when I go into a meeting, you know, to, to read my family, to, to read the, you know, the atmosphere at the, the supermarket, if I need to, do you know what I'm saying? Like in your everyday life, recognize that you're already using these abilities. 
this is not spectacular work. You're no. already using these abilities. Everyone is. You feel weirded out by the guy on the train. You feel like maybe you should stop at the grocery store before going home. You feel like you have to get home quickly. These are all experiences that are so common, but we're not calling a thing a thing. And by right. making it seem extraordinary, makes it seem not obtainable or accessible to everyone when it is. It really right. is. And it's just where you're paying attention to and how you're validating it for yourself. Like, yes, that really just happened. And then once it starts, crazy shit. Like you're going to be like, oh my God, that just happened. Just <laughs> crazy things that I have not subscribed to before. I'm I ha I'm confronted with and I'm like, this is happening. And my mind could not piece it together. And feeling okay with being uncomfortable. That's another huge thing because that is so uncomfortable. But it's sure. a healthy skepticism is important. Absolutely. You don't just want to drink the Kool-Aid and, and say, oh, and it's all airy-fairy woo-woo. I don't subscribe to that either. But what I've noticed, and I've spoken with quite a few people about this, is that before it used to take a concentrated effort to go to different realms, to go to different dimensions, to go to, and now it's an elevator that just, we can go up and down at, at will. And we can, there's more fluidity. There's more between the energies or the vibrations. Have you found from when you started doing this work till now, obviously you're fine tuning your skills, you're more comfortable with it, but that there's been, that you've become more receptive to energy or that it's become easier to tune in? For me, I've always kind of done this work as, in a self-soothing kind of way, just to like get through life. But what I'm feeling now is that, it's not that it's coming easier, newer things, mm -hmm. things that I'm experiencing are different, like next level things that I would never have thought were possible. And it's really challenging the way the simple conclusions I made of just universe, space, time, dimension. It really is a challenging thing. And I can just weird myself out like... <laughs> Like, do not take an edible and think about this. It, you, you stay up all night. You really get kind of confronted with how you don't know how things work. You want to believe you do, but you really don't. What would you say, Jen? Um, my experience is different from Jill's. I have just been accepting of this part of myself more more recently than Jill. It it has gotten easier. But it's really a journey of looking inside myself. The more I trust spirit, the more I let go and learn about myself and my own my own stuff, my own baggage that I'm bringing to block myself. I used to feel before before I started this work with Jill, I used to feel that something was missing in my life. And I'm a very type A person. I see a goal. I, and I map out how I'm going to achieve the goal. And then I achieve it very systematically. That's what I've always done. And this is very different because I don't know what I'm working towards right now. All I know is that I'm supposed to be doing this. And I'm extending a lot of effort to do this work with my sister. And yes, I love you, Jill, but this is there's also work. <laughs> I, I will tell you, there is no way in hell. Ten years ago, Jennifer's like, I need something in my life. More Jill time. Like that is not what she would have thought. She would have been like, please don't call me. I have to but think right now. This journey with Jill in and of itself is a whole other thing that could be another episode, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> because it it brings up like past trauma and childhood issues and all of the baggage. So that's all coming to the surface along with this spiritual work. And it's all one and the same. It's all part of this journey. So um, to answer your question, is it getting easier? Yes, it's also getting harder. Because the more that comes up, the more you're working with, you feel more connected, but there's more work to do. And then for me, it's that sense of the free fall because I'm I'm following spirit now. God help me. I'm following spirit. I have no idea where I'm going, but I just need to trust. And that can sometimes be the hardest thing. Another good point is we get communication back from this lovely tribe of people that have found us. They're just amazing. But we, I always get the feedback like, you guys are so close. You have such good chemistry. 
And yes, that's all true. And I always thought we were really funny and amusing. But the reality is, is that we trigger one another. And the beauty about doing this with Jennifer is that I'm a better sister. I'm a better listener. I'm a better woman. I'm a better wife. Because I have to really think about what she's hearing through her Jennifer lens and what I'm saying through my Jilly lens and how that is meeting. You know, as well as I do, you can kind of miss translate what someone's saying in spirit, Mm -hmm. you can do that in person too. And so going through and learning that work and hearing each other and knowing what we're bringing in and receiving from one another makes us better, not only as people, but also as mediums, because we can say that, well, what am I hearing? And is this something that I'm bringing or is this just spirit bringing this to me? That's an excellent point from, from both perspectives, because you continue to grow and evolve with this work and it does change. And sometimes it's really heavy and it's overwhelming. And it's like, why am I choosing to do this? That, that becomes a, and other times it's just so apparent because can you imagine I I can at this point in my life, I, I thought one day I woke up and I thought, what if it was all just, I didn't feel anything anymore and I wasn't connected to spirit and it was just shut off like a door slamming. And I thought, wow, I've always been this way. How would you even navigate life? And I started to feel empathy for people who don't feel as deeply because it's taken me a long time to realize this is a beautiful way to be on the planet is to be very sensitive and porous and to allow it to come in. It's all vibration and frequency. And whether you're reading the auric field of someone that's right in front of you or you're, you're doing a blend with someone in spirit to bring that energy forward, it's still you're allowing that energy to use your memories, your experiences, your expertise, all about healing. It really is. It and really love. Is. And love, which is is a really a cool thing. So what's coming up next? Because you, I know you, you kind of alluded to it for a second about your little group, which I think is fantastic. Oh, goodness. What's coming up? <laughs> <laughs> There are uh, several future projects that uh, we are in talks regarding, and um, first and foremost, more volumes of Ghosts on the Road will be forthcoming. So that will definitely come come forward, come to fruition in the future. In addition to that, we're also working to create sort of a curriculum for people who are wanting to develop their intuition and their abilities. And we're looking to do this in a way that's based on sort of self, self-assessment in, in a way. To, because, the, you know, I always, again, I'm very type A, I want to see the data. You know, I want to see the data. So what can we bring that's a little more evidentiary based, you know, even if it's just based on one's own perception of oneself, how can we help people know that they're moving forward? So as an educator, that's something that I'm really excited about because it will be assessment based. What else? What I'm really excited about is taking. So Jen and I were talking about how Everyone wants to be with us in the car, <laughs> in the field. It, it's, and it's, it's, not so it's it's so boring. It's so a lot of overeating, a lot of arguing about how fast I'm going. Uh-huh. <laughs> the the driver. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's annoying. But so what we want to do is what we're starting to develop now is have a little pilot group of people to arm them with the intention to give them the tools to translate their experiences and how to make them tangible and how to record them and set them out into a place that Jen and I already know the history of, and then have them feel the feels and write them down and talk about what they experience and then bring them back into a group and validate, yes, you were experiencing that. So we really- incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the comments. We're taking a, we have a lot on our plates, but that's, (laughs) I really am excited to work with people who want to understand and put it in terms that is accessible. I think that that's the biggest thing because so many times with psychics, I mean, you know, the the talk energy or they just know, and it's like, no, what do you tell me what that looks like? I need the experience. You want, you want to give practical 
it, yes, it's, it's, yes. it's usable. And what popped into my head as you were speaking was what a beautiful training ground for anyone that's interested in forensic mediumship or in a psychic detective or working with law enforcement or missing children. That would be a beautiful, beautiful way to to learn, to test your skills with two people that are already doing the work and would be supportive and helpful to help you look at your own strengths and weaknesses to say, how can I best use what I have to to pick up on this information? I love the outlook of empowering people with how their intuition works for them. I've sat in countless classes where people have said, you have to do it this way, and this is the only way. And I don't agree with that. I think when you align it with your own personal blueprint and your own personal energy, it allows spirit to work so much more through you. And and it's not coming from your ego. It's you're being the conduit, which is what you're both saying, which is really, really wonderful. And the sad, the sad thing about that is that I personally, I would have discounted my own experiences if I would have just looked at how my grandma was experiencing mediumship. I wouldn't have been able to be, because I'll never be my grandma. So if I only was like, well, that's how it looks, then I would never have trusted the fact that it's happening for me too. Right. And that's so important as well. When you get comfortable, everybody wants to be clairvoyant. I want to see, I want to see. But if you're a clairsentient and you just sense things and that's as strong or you're claircognizant, none are more or better than the other. It's just who you are and how you're wired. And you both know that they continue to grow and build. And you may start out with one skill set, but over time and practice, the others get integrated in. And you also have a, a Patreon group. Yes. Yes, we do. That's kind so, of our tribe at this point. Go ahead, Jen. I know. I'm calling them my mystic mafia because they are the best group of people. <laughs> so for $25 a month, you can join a mentorship group. And we come together once a month on a Zoom call. And at first, we were like, what do you want from us? Because we want to drive our content to fit the needs of the people who are signing up. Because $25 for me is a lot. So I want to give like... I'm giving $25 to someone a month. I want to know, like, I want to walk away getting something something from it. it. Mm -hmm. So just recently we are working with manifesting as a group. We're listening to different stories, how we're experiencing different energies and how that looks like. And we're just having a really fun time. There's a lot of laughing, a lot of hanging out outside of the group. We become friends. So they have our cell phone numbers and they'll shoot us a text. And, you know, so it's really evolving, but they're a really good group of people. And we're so honored that they found us. It seems like a situation where the energy you put out, you're getting back. That's, that's how it feels. And it's, we're just so honored to, to be building this tribe and we know it's going to grow as it grows. It's going to change, but some days just having that support is everything when you're doing this sometimes thankless work on top of your day job it's it's just really feeding that enthusiasm to keep it up because there are people who are really listening you know on the other end of that of that microphone and the the importance of building community so people feel safe to express who they really are and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. You had each other, you grew up where it was normalized. A lot of people are coming into this world at this point with questions and they've never had anyone validate what to the three of us is just life. It's the way we came. It's the way we've navigated. But so many people over the last few years are starting to say, wow, I feel things more or I sense things more. So it feels like you're both offering this beautiful platform for people to come in and say, I think this is some a safe place for me to explore what's happening, which is an, an, a beautiful gift. I feel that's true. Don't mm-hmm. you, Jill? Yeah, we're very lucky to be very able to connecting, to connect with people in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. We need more fun, damn it. But it, um, you know, I also wanted to say people, when people come to us with the different clairs, they do get so focused on what clair am I using and why, mm-hmm. how does that look? It's so bizarre to me. Yes, know your clairs, but they manifest in different ways at different times for different reasons, right? Right. And one Which isn't sure better than the other. Exactly. And I'm sure sometimes you're on your way to Arizona, 
and it's very clairaudient or clairsentient, and then you're going in the other direction and you're getting a different input, spirit's going to use what, what, wherever that link is going to come in the strongest, but there's no right or wrong. And right. I think that's what you're both offering through the podcast, through this book of stories, through your Patreon site, through through this beautiful tribe that you're building is we're all in this together and okay. we can just explore this and have fun with it and see where it leads, exactly. which is incredible. So the book is coming out June 1st on Amazon. Pre-sale June 1st on Amazon. And I want to stress, you don't have to listen to the podcast to enjoy the book. It really is, uh, can be an individual piece of media for you to absorb. And truth be told, we can be annoying. <laughs> so if you, if you don't, <laughs> you don't like the sound of our voice, if we're a little all over the place for you, then please read the book because it, it is a more precise vision of, of what we've done in the field that we're really proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you'll find out something about your hometown or story you've always wondered about or a family you always kind of raised an eyebrow at and thought, hmm, I wonder what their story is. It might be in those pages or in one of your upcoming volumes. It's true. Or it might, it might inspire you to go out and do your own investigating. This is so beautiful because fits both of you and you're very different because I have to be honest, Jennifer, when you were talking about the education part, what wanted to come out of my mouth was, I'm sorry, you're not going to get 1.5 standard deviations away from the norm (laughs) with this. Exactly. You get me, Denise. You <laughs> yes, me. I do. And I, I also get that task analyze of this is my goal. This is how I get. And you can apply that to some of this with the structure of what we have a book, we have a deadline, we have a podcast mm-hmm. that needs to go up. But there's <laughs> you, you're building new neural pathways and using both hemispheres with this work. And there's that changes the game exponentially. Well, and I am learning a lot from Jill. Because no, you know, you know, it's true because Jill is just such, such an natural medium, a true natural me. And she's always on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I benefit just from being in her presence because I benefit from that energy and that example. So that's very um, sweet, but she does getting, she does reel me in. I can tell when she's I can tell when I go off on a tirade, Jennifer's, I'm editing all this out face. (laughs) I have to look at her for my cues. I'm like, oh, bring it back. (laughs) Okay. So it's Common Mystics podcast on all the venues. Yes. Wherever you're listening. And is there social media? So you can find us on our website, commonmystics.net, on our email, commonmystics at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Common Mystics Podcast or Common Mystics Pod. And that's really our handle on all our socials. Very, very fun. And we are so looking forward to the book and all of your work. And if you're interested, please check these ladies out. They're amazing. And see, this is another example of follow the breadcrumbs, follow your heart. You might end up on a road trip with your sister. You never know. Thank you both. This has been incredible and best of luck with your books coming up and please keep doing your podcast because it's so fun. We love you you so much. Oh, I love you both too. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye. Bye.